It's Thierry Henry! He scored! He scored for Arsenal in the Bernabeu! That's a shaman! Giroud plays it in the middle! Ahead again! And Ramsey arriving! And Arsenal are back in front! Scores in the FA Cup final again! Just as he did in 2014! Hello and welcome to another episode of the Arsenal podcast. Uh, yeah, I don't really know how to start this. <laughs> it's all come tumbling down, but... Look, we'll dive straight into it. We've got Met with us, uh, who's back. Met from the Can You Believe It podcast. Uh, how have you? How are you doing, mate? It's been it's been a while. Yeah, it has been a while. Thank you for having me back. Um, it's a shame that I'm not coming back um, in much happier circumstances. Mm. But you know, um, <laughs> that's not my fault. Uh, I could like, well, I, we, we could only um, talk about what the football team that we love um, produces to us on the pitch. Oh. God, like, do you, remember, do you remember a week ago? Do you remember how good that was? Do you remember, like, just, what is it, Monday now? It's, yeah. it's got, we've just kicked off against Palace, you know, maybe a bit shaky. We haven't conceded yet, but, you know, we've, we've got the spirit in the team. And, uh, yeah, here we are exactly a week later, and, and, and we know full well what's, what's going on. And uh, week's a long time in football. Yeah, I mean... Uh, I... I, I always used to say football football can change very quickly. And in this, in this instance, it's gone from pretty much universal support to pretty much like we're, we're very depressed now. So, yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not been a good uh, seven days for Arsenal. Yeah, we'll, 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 we'll get into it. But look, we'll cover something fun first. You, you've been to Barcelona. You've been to Emirates to see the striker that we might, possibly have needed <laughs> uh, you saw a Bamiang and you saw your Barcelona how was the whole experience oh it was it, it, it was a great experience I love Barcelona as a city first and foremost because mm. um yeah I've me been, too love it mm. yeah I've been before and it's just such a, uh, a vibrant and great city but the main reason why I was going this time was to go mm. to the uh, to the new camp and to go watch um to watch a Bamiang but also the other players as well it was such a great atmosphere um yeah. It, they are very passionate about their football in Spain. Um, yeah. And I, that's why I really like going there because in England, you get people that are passionate, but they don't really show it in like midweek and, and such. Mm. But they showed it here a lot and it, it was very nice to see. So I really enjoyed it. Um, and then going to the game, the fans were aggressive. Didn't like the referee at all. On the night, um and they were shouting a lot of abuse at him, um, which is quite funny. Um, the whistling when, um, like, a referee's doing a bad decision or someone's down, it nearly burst my eardrum because of really? how loud it was. Yeah, it's, it's very loud. Like Because, obviously, we boo. Like, English people yeah. boo. They whistle. And, like, it's not like, like a normal whistle. It's, like, sort of, like, you know, like... Yeah, a, yeah, yeah. Um, but, the yeah. one with the fingers, fingers in, in, the, in the mouth. Fingers in the mouth, yeah. Probably, you know, yeah. Yeah, so it, it was very loud. And then um, the guy... And then I, I saw I saw the Barcelona Sevilla game. So it was only one goal, but it was an incredible goal from Pedri. And uh, it was it, it was fantastic. The crowd went nuts, rightfully. And, um, yeah, it was a it was fantastic atmosphere. I really enjoyed it, and I'd love to go back. Nice, yeah. I've been to Barcelona, but it wasn't it wasn't a uh, home game. I, I don't know why we didn't think to to book it over a bit more of a sensible time to do that. But um, what was the? Because you know when they score, there's a different noise. 
It's a yeah. very different noise. But what is it? They just saying goal. Like what's well, going on? Yeah, it's it's sort of like um, I think they say vamos. So right. um, yeah, so like obviously we're cheering, we're going like yeah, like sort of thing, yeah. and like yeah. but yeah, it's a different sound. I've always been intrigued by it, but it was it was a very it was a different mm. sound. So um, it's just because it's different dialects and stuff. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, but okay. it, 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 it there was something there is something about the Spanish people celebrating a goal that just makes it um that uh, that much more satisfying i think they celebrate gold right. better than, than we do so um, i was yeah. gonna say if you were gonna compare like a specific like stadium to stadium comparison like atmospheric versus the premier league versus what you've seen in barcelona what what, what would you say the differences are i'd say with the english stadium when when, when, when we're on it like at the emirates and stuff and like fans are really behind it they will get behind the team and sort of like um like they'll be quiet but like they'll be sort of when when someone makes a really big tackle or really good Mm. pass or sort of thing you hear like applause and like uh, like proper cheering or go like oh wow sort of thing in barcelona they did like they just sang all game and i really loved it right and it's just like there's a rowdy section to be fair Adi Emirates has improved in terms of singing all game, but they were properly singing all game, and it was really, really good. Um, yeah, and they were, and they obviously have their own anthems as well. So we heard um, the Barcelona anthem as well. So um, yeah, and uh, and they're all very passionate about it. Apart from that, there's not not that many differences. Um, like um i i just i i just think it, it it's more that i think they they treat football like religion there whereas yeah. whereas here we we treat we treat it more like entertainment and i sort of like that sort of passionate about like sort of like you're born with this and and sort of thing like you don't really get yeah. it in the uk you sort of like you, you you find it while watching it on tv but in these people you can tell like they were born to to be barcelona fans yeah that's interesting i mean it's it's um I went to a, a game in Medellin in, in Colombia. Um, yeah. It was Atletico, Atletico um, Nacional. Yeah. Uh, the, you know, Medellin team that was actually funded by Pablo Escobar back in the day as well. But um, they were playing uh, another team for, in the final. And, and, and it was, I went to the stadium and it was amazing. Um, the atmosphere was electric in the sense that they were singing from the first whistle. There was toilet roll in front of it. You know, you can imagine yeah. those people hanging off each other. You're not, not sitting anywhere specific. It's, it is chaos. But the sense I got, while I feel the passion, it was like when they conceded, they went 1-0 down. There was no interruption. There was no reaction. It was yeah. like, it was just you continue, which I thought was really interesting because it was like almost as if there's so much passion, but like not really reacting to what's happened on the pitch. Now, don't get me wrong when they scored it was, yeah. it was chaos um and only when they lost on penalties was there a silence that lasted about five minutes five seconds and then they were singing again it was almost like you just want you just lost the final guys like are you not mm. yeah anyway but um it is really interesting the different cultures but uh, but look i was i was there on saturday um and uh, I, I offered you a ticket and I'm, I think you're probably you quite did. delighted that you uh, didn't get there. Um, well, no, I'm always no, I happy. I, I'm always yeah. happy to go to the Emirates, but um, I, I, I was obviously un- I was unavailable to go. But mm. also, um, I sort of felt bad because the last time I went, I caught COVID ah. from there, and also it was the Liverpool game, 
and um yeah that, that wasn't the best game to go to no. so um so yeah i sort of felt a bit but, but i thought this was like a banker to sort of like oh yeah we'll, we'll easily win this how wrong mm. i was i know well so yeah it was it was it was equally like doubly disappointing for me i should say i thought i you know i had a friend who hadn't been to the emirates before he's a city fan he's a very good friend of mine and um the emirates have been rocking all season mm. You know, I've not seen it like this in other seasons ever. The connection between the players and the fans. Um, I've been to some unbelievable games like Wolves and like uh, the stadium been rocking and there's like a unity about it. People are singing outside, they come inside. And um, I kind of thought that we'd seen bounce backs before. We'd seen stuff happen and mm. we've seen reactions. Um, and all the stuff that you read on Twitter after one disappointment doesn't really relate to what's actually happening in the stadium which is a very different environment you know people tend to be very supportive versus some of the stuff you read i think it's quite not particularly representative um because of the game it was a bit flat as it you know tends to be on a 3 p.m kickoff i guess um but we were right i've never sat here but i was right up in the gods we were the one throw in front of the back at the top tier okay and it was quite windy yeah. So, like, do, do you know what I mean? It's a real flaw in the Emirates. It really is. I don't know why they don't close them. There must be ventilation. I mean, God, who knows? But, you know, there's a reason why Spurs Stadium is so loud, and it's because they've sealed off everything, and it's, you know, it's the acoustics have been focused on. But having taken my mate there for the first time, the wind was there. We're right there. It was a bit flat. We've got a couple of injuries. Granite Jacker's starting to left back. It's just all a bit, uh, you know, there's nerves about it. We didn't start well. Like, it actually the stadium was really flat and, and and i think you know fair play to arteta for calling out afterwards and and and, and saying that it was it's kind of up to the players to to, to get it going in a sense yeah and, um it, he's right it, whilst it is up to us, us as fans like you know come on guys like a little bit of a you know a crunching tackle here or there like you say wouldn't have gone miss. so so look and then obviously it all happened and my mate who's a city fan he's just a bit like he's got this his only memory of the Emirates is this so far. So it's not, <laughs> not, 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 not such a good day to show off uh, the Arsenal, but um, a very disappointing day um, in, indeed. I mean, look, I, I don't know where else to start other than the the lineup for obvious yeah. reasons. Um, lots happening there. What, what I, w- I would normally ask you here, like kind of what, what did you think about it? But I guess my question is what, what scared you the most about it? <laughs> Um, it, it, it was it was Granite Xhaka playing at left back. That's what scared. <laughs> me. It, it, that's what scared me the most. And it's not because I don't think Granite Xhaka is a good left back. It's just that I I was really terrified about the midfield mm. because we were moving a lot of pieces just to accommodate one. Yeah, I I I exactly. I, I thought Nuno Tavares should have started. Um, and I said that all week, and I still stand by it now. Um, I just thought. If Thomas Party was fit, I could understand if Granit Xhaka started left back. I wouldn't have been happy with it, mm. but I could understand it because you clearly don't trust Nuno Tavares. You want to start Granit Xhaka mm. at left back. But I thought it was an easy decision for me anyway that because Granit Xhaka is the only experienced midfielder that we have, Mm. play him in midfield with Sambi Lukonga and then just play Nuno Tavares. But by playing Granit Xhaka, he's weakened not just the left-back position, but also mm. midfield as well. And that's where I sort of, you know, I was a bit baffled by it. And I, I, to be honest, I still am 
no, right now. No. So yeah, it, it was it was a weird decision. But it, it's it's there's there's so many components that have been completely shifted from system to uh, personnel in the midfield uh, to the quality of left back, what that does to the right back situation, um, the structure in which the way Gabriel and White play both defensively and offensively when they're looking to play through the middle but and the versus to having to cover a bit more of the left back space because Xhaka would push up a little bit and look to me Cedric at points was actually playing as almost like a third centre back which is very strange considering you know I, if the, you know he's supposed to be the one attacking and letting um what was Tierney do a bit more defending at the time but anyway um but apart from for me like putting Sambi on his own effectively in midfield Firstly, I think the management, I've said this about Sambi and Tavares in particular, uh, I think the management of those two players has been whilst understandable because, um, you know, we've been performing so well as a consistent starting 11s and all that sort of stuff. The the fact that we haven't played them at all, we always knew this day was going to happen. Party and yeah. Tierney are particularly very injury-prone players. And look, what happens? We've got to throw in these players cold. And of course they don't perform immediately. Of course they don't. They're not coming into easy battles. They haven't played in a long time. They are very young, very talented, but very young players, Sambi in particular. And, you know, you're coming into a game against a team that that, that can play and do play. And um, we've changed the system. We've taken away the good players from the other good players, Odegaard, Saka, you know, Smith-Rowe, Martinelli. Like, it's... We're creating distances and a lack of mm -hmm. penetration already. Just this is just from a left back situation, and obviously party yeah. as well. I mean, for me, I, I don't know what you'd have done, but there was a few things I did. I mean, I'll, I'll get it up here. I put it on my Instagram, but some even a straight swap of Sambi, Party, Nuno, and Tierney. Well, well the, the, that would, that would have been what I would have done because oh. it would have, it, you will not change in the system. Then you're no. not changing the way we play. You're just. Your yes, Sambi is not the same quality as Thomas Party. Nuno Tavares is not the same quality as Kieran Tierney, but you are still playing in a way where Granite Jack is still there in, in midfield. Yeah. Still progress the ball forward, get it to the players that are actually excited about this team. And yes, left back will be a tough position, but Nuno Tavares. Earlier on in the season, we were having discussions about if Nuno Tavares should continue in the squad ahead of Kieran Tierney. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, how, that's how well he was playing. Mm. And in the space of, what, three months, not in the Forest game and the Crystal Palace game, Yeah, we have now basically very close to killing his Arsenal career. Because I, I just don't think, as a left, like, as a left back, how do you feel about that? Like, you're seeing a player playing out of position in your role, a role mm. that you... We bought him to play for these games when Kieran Tierney couldn't, when he yeah. was injured. And now you're seeing a midfielder playing your position. I, I just don't know how you recover from that. Like, that's, that's a real blow, like, if, if you're a player, but like, confidence-wise, anyway. Yeah, we've seen it, like, over and over with... Um different players under Arteta and whilst I think the ruthlessness definitely has its value and it's very easy after a loss to, to point fingers and say this is bad because actually over the last three months we've been saying this is great this is this is very specific things that we're looking at right and yeah. um, I, I just think what would have been more sensible is giving new look, look and, and actually we should preface this by saying 
we don't see what happens in training and we haven't been exposed yeah. to any Nuno apart from a very bad Nuno for the last three times we played. Why is that mismanagement? Maybe he's not performing. There's so many things that could be going into it. However, keeping everything the same other than party for me would have been good. I would have kept Emil Smith on the bench. He looks a bit tired, maybe a bit injured. Yeah. Um, he didn't quite already. Um, but actually, I thought that, you know, I think they look very exposed. Saka and Martinelli were so far away from any of the players that would normally be linking them up. And in this situation, it would be Erdegaard or, or Smith-Rowe. It was just so, it was like, right. It was almost like, pass it wide, cut through the middle. Saka, try and beat your man, do something special. Martinelli, beat your man, do something special. Lacazette was nowhere to be seen. So it was just, it was almost give it to the young kids and see what they can do. And you can't do that in the Premier League. It's just not, it's yeah. not going to happen. And particularly when they're two very, very young players. But for me, I would have put White at right back, brought Holding in, and then you've kind of got your central three, so to speak, White being the more defensive one. Let Nuno go and do his thing. Yeah, bomb forward. Yeah. yeah. But Sambi and Shaka are holding. Odegaard coming through the middle and doing what he does, being close to Saka, linking up with Martinelli. Lacazette coming deep and being able to do some of the things he wasn't able to do, or at least getting the chance to, not defending him by any means, but whilst Lacazette had a terrible game, it also wasn't really a game for Lacazette. You know, he can only really do the things we know he can do. But there he was, not really getting a chance to do the things he could do either. So, you know, but there's there's so much positive about bringing Nino in there. Mm. And um, I don't know. I don't know. And look, the, the, the game unfolded in exactly the way we, we thought it would. You know, it sounds like we had very, very similar um, thoughts about what the lineup should be. And it was very disappointed yeah. about what it could be. So, what... Well, where do you see the faults in, in the first goal? Um, it, it's, <laughs> I, I, it just goes back to the fact that the midfield has been overran because, mm. firstly, Granit Jack has pushed forward from left back. Lewis Dunk has basically punted it forward. Like, yeah. It's just a hoof forward. And Wepu is completely free on, on the right-hand side. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... There were, I think, there's three players in the box completely unmarked. Oh, mate! And and Trossard, it's a good ball, it's a good finish, but I mean, that's where if Granit Xhaka was playing in midfield, that would never happen. Like because not not to say that Granit Xhaka is like a defensive monster sort of thing, but positioning wise, mm. that's where he is. You have two players in Odegaard and Smith Rowe who are not really tracking back, but that's because they're number 10s playing in an unfamiliar role to them. Yeah. And it just didn't work for them. And the way I, I think I was maybe a bit harsh on Smith Rowe, but he didn't really seem to put like 100% effort into getting back yeah. um, for, for Trossard. It was a poor, it was a really poor goal to concede. The second one, like, uh, jumping ahead a bit, but the second one is yes. maybe like it is. It's a like it's an incredible goal, and like it's a bit like yeah. yes, it can happen. But the first one, that's the worst one for me because it's just like that's that's a result of of mistakes we've made, not only in terms of on the pitch, but also mm. in the lineup as well. It was just stupid. I remember looking at it at the time, and um, it looked like a hoof. Like it looked like just yeah, yeah. It, 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 it beat he, it beat the whole midfield was taken yeah. out by that one 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 pass. What and look, let's say Jacker was out of position, which he's being asked to do, um, leaving a massive hole, which I'm sure shouldn't have happened. 
I don't know why, I don't know how, it's very difficult. But when that does happen, where on earth was the reaction from the midfield? And this really typified, I think, like the the mood of and the and the the urgency in the first half. You know, some of our favorite players, I mean Smith Rowe, Saka, Martinelli. Yeah. Um so slow to react. And they just jogged back. They like there was no Yeah. It was like, oh, we'll just wait for this to finish and we'll get it like yeah, who knows where they got there, but like, they didn't even sprint. Like it was nothing. There was no pressure on the player. It just it was it was shocking. And um it was it was completely deserved to Brighton, I I think. You know, I think maybe not necessarily by them, but I just think they did a number on us, right? And um I think they just nullified the midfield perfectly, put enough pressure on us and managed to get a break where we were being lazy and um you know they put it away really well and you'd expect to be punished like that in the Premier League, right? So it was difficult. It was difficult. And um, I think the whole first half really told that story until obviously, you know, I think it was, well, it was right at the end of the first half, wasn't it? Um, I actually, yeah, yeah I, I said it, I celebrated the goal when it went in, the Martinelli one, obviously. Um, but then I did, it did feel a bit offside. And I couldn't really tell what had happened, but it took a hell of a long time, like yeah. ages. So I was like, oh, this can't be looking at, because the way the, 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 the players were surrounding the ref. It was like, well, they must be looking at something else. But it really was the offside. And um, only at half time I was trying to look at the photo. It was inconclusive. What What is your take on that? On that, what would have been a very undeserved goal, but legally, what, where do you stand on it? I think the VAR have guessed if it's offside because there is not a conclusive angle mm. to tell if Martinelli is fully offside when comparing it to Cuc- like where Cucurella's position, because the goalkeeper is obviously forward, mm. so you have to do it by the player um, at that point. And um, you can't tell. There's a boot you can see in the photos that everyone has been sharing around. Yeah, I believe the boot is uh, the goalkeeper's, Sanchez's, not um, Cucurella's. So I, I think-, think there's both in there. Yeah, I think there's both in there, but I think it's more Sanchez rather than Cucurella. Yeah, yeah. I think it looks more offside, but you cannot tell me. You could. There is not a person um, on this earth mm. who will be able to tell you for definite if that decision is offside or not. And that's yeah. where I'm a bit miffed because mm. in um, in cricket, for example, yes. Um, you have a umpire's call, right? So if the technology is not conclusive enough, you stick with what the decision is on field. Yeah. And for me, that's what should have happened with that decision. That's what should have happened. You you can't conclusively determine this with technology. Yeah. Stay with a goal because the linesman hasn't flagged it and the the referee hasn't noticed it. Then they've basically Again, the linesman and referee, and they do, they do this all the time. They rely on VAR too much, and then VAR are, are making the decision instead of both of them on the field. Yeah. So it, it's just a very, it's a very hard decision to take. Listen, we didn't deserve to win the game. No, we all. didn't. Not at all. No, but I just think that decision. It was just. It was such a, a bad, bad decision in my opinion, and it's just mm. like it. Yeah, it just. I still don't get it, and I don't think I'll ever understand how. Because it, 
you could, one of them could in the VAR could tell me what their reasoning behind it. But to me, it was guesswork, and and that's the worst thing about it. Yeah, I, I do. I, I I I've tried to try and be as like kind of um, neutral as possible about what I think would happen here, and I, I think the the clear and obvious thing I think goes out the window here because I think yeah. it's not. Like it's not like when you're looking at offsides. I think all of the offsides we've seen, whilst have been mutually, we all agree, absolutely mm. awful because they just are really destroying what is like fundamentally a rule to try and stop goal hanging, not you know dissecting. But as soon as you bring in VAR, it needs to be an exact science. They've got an exact yeah. science to it. It's pretty binary, more often than not. In fact, ninety-nine point nine percent is binary. This is the first time anything like this I can remember has happened. Yeah, this is like new territory and the difficulty is i can imagine for the referees and i'm not giving them any slack here but is that like if if i was a brighton fan yeah they they would argue there's no evidence to support that it's a goal like if 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 that really is sanchez's boot and we none of us can tell if there's someone else's boot there but the evidence is kind of saying it's um you know, the evidence is kind of saying, well, that is definitely Sanchez's boot. The question yeah. is whether or not conclusively we can say there's any of the right-back's boot, Cucurucci, whatever his name is. Cucurella. Cucurucci, mate. Yeah, Cucurella, no. So, look, what's happened there is they've given the benefit of doubt to the defensive team when a goal had already been given. Where I don't know where this is in the rules. Offside's supposed to be benefit of the doubt of benefit for the attacker but i guess the difficulty is if you're a brighton fan and that gets given uh, you're probably probably arguing exactly the same thing we are but the opposite mm, I, I i don't know because again can a brighton fan tell you that that was definitely offside no, no i don't think no, you no, can. No, no. so if the goal is given can they tell you it's definitely offside then i uh, it's just yeah like if I was a Brighton fan, mm. or like if I was an Arsenal fan and that was given, that go- that goal happened, mm. and then it was chalked off, I would say we got away with that yep. because I, I I think that's very lucky and I don't think that's offside. So, I think if as a Brighton fan, I think oh, I got like we got away with it. Now I could be more biased because, um, again, I'm an Arsenal fan, but it's just like, mm. yeah, I just. It just, it to me, it just didn't look mm. like a, a decision that should have been made. Just stick with what the referee and the linesman have come up with. That's the yeah. thing. Well, you, the flaw in your logic there is that you, you're theorising about that kind of decision going like for the same for any other team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> what, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah, because that exactly. only happens to us. But, but this, this is the thing. It's it's a cumulative thing. This is very, very familiar for Arsenal fans. The reason why it's familiar is because all of these decisions that are going against us or not going for us or not going to the other team, like these are cumulative, very, very, very touch and go decisions. And they never get given. They never, ever, ever, ever even get like most of them don't even get looked at if it's like a serious foul we we, we, we don't we don't get the 50 50s. It's it's another one of those. Right. But it's like, if we haven't to dissect it, we have to think of it from the other team's side. We're having to look at other ones that are similar, and we just we don't have that. And it's just frustrating. And look, we could talk all day about it, and quite frankly, it doesn't really matter because I don't think we would have deserved it. It would have changed 
the complexion of the game for sure. I do believe that would have changed the crowd. Um, I do believe it would have probably changed the, the result of the game. But, you know, it's like the Tommy Asu stamp on the face, you know, in Everton. Okay. Whilst we were talking about it, it was like, well, I didn't deserve it. But actually, looking back, you know, it's, you know, the, the one against Palace when Saka got booted and things like that didn't even get looked at. Yeah. Um, and all these sorts of things. And it's just this immeasurable, uh, like, kind of injustice that, um, we have to kind of live with and you know we did say it we've said on this podcast many times that at some point the refereeing decisions are going to cost us and if we look at look at, look back at all these different decisions the Man City the Palace at home Everton away these games in particular I mean the penalty that should have happened at Old Trafford all these things like it's, it's happening very often and uh, look I don't think it's why we lost but had it had gone our way like it probably should have done um it changes everything. Mm. So difficult. But look, second half came out. There was no urgency again. Um, they score their goal. It's very good. I think Lacazette's culpable. I think he's lazy. Doesn't press hard enough. Doesn't. But look, unbelievable finish. Whatever. Fine. We're 2 0 down. Reaction. Doesn't really happen until about the 75th minute. Yeah. Um, we have a couple of chances. Cedric takes a free kick. That really annoyed me. Yeah. Oh, that... mate, the, the frustration in the stadium. Oh, you got Erdegaard there, even Lacazette. Yeah, because I, I don't I don't Odegaard has proven like he's a good free kick taker. So why is he not oh. taking every free kick? Cedric must be banging them in top corner and training every single yeah. attempt. We must to be. even get rank like compared to Odegaard. And even and to be fair, Lacazette's got a good free kick on him as well. Yep. hundred percent, mate. 100%. It's strange. Um, you know, he likes it hit the bar against Wolves from a free kick. He's he hit um, one against Liverpool in the um, yep. League Cup semi final as well uh, against the bar. He, didn't he hit the bar against um, Liverpool in the league as well? No, maybe that was just the. I, I think I think it was just the cut of the cup yeah. game. Fair. Well, you know, we've got good players who can do these. And uh, oh, mate. And then, I remember Cedric was on corners, which to be fair, were actually looking pretty good. But it was just like this is what's going on here. What like it's just the frustration. Some of the decision making was just you know atrocious. I don't know if it was just probably a bit of a three pm kickoff vibe. But some of the things that were going on was ridiculous. We had another one where we like passed it rather than shot when we were in the same position. And then finally, we actually shot. We hit the bar. Inketia hits the bar. I thought, <laughs> and um, you know we didn't score from that, but it came out and. Like and uh, Erdegaard scores a forty-yard screamer, which I don't think took a took any deflection actually. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think it, it it was naturally going up. Yeah, that's and, it. Uh, and that's then dipped yeah. down. So yeah, it was natural. So no, there's no deflection. It was that's a screamer it. from Odegaard. And um, and yeah, and I thought, look, at this point, eighty-eight minutes, the crowd is up. There's six minutes injury time to come. Um, we are on top. I think the substitutions were very impactful. Um, I thought Inketia was was lively. I think he made things happen. Um, I thought Pepe was pretty pretty influential. You know, he, apart he... from the corner. Oh, the don't, end. don't. Oh, <laughs> that that moment in the stadium was just like it was disbelief. But there was a few moments like that, really sloppy, just dumb. Yeah. Mentioned the Cedric, the pass, the free kick. It's just like, what are you doing? But um, you know, it's just just completely ridiculous. But anyway. So that and that, that was that, but um, it leaves us in a very difficult position. Obviously, we, we had another chance. What was the Inketia, the unbelievable save? I mean, 
what a header coming from there from a Cedric Cross, no less. Um, so, you know, the, uh, pff, difficult stuff. Um, man of the match? <laughs> um, <laughs> can I think of one? Um, Martinelli? Yeah, I'll give it to Martinelli. He at least, yeah. he at least tried, I, I, I think, and then came off with cramp or maybe an injury. Mm-hmm. So yeah, at least he tried. I'll, I'll, I'll give it to Martinelli. I would say about Martinelli is that he was just him and Isaac Saka were just left isolated to do their own thing and yeah, not able to quite make something happen. It's kind of looked makes them look stupid, but actually they've kind of just been left on their own. They haven't got that second option. But um, yeah, I'm going to give it Eddie actually. I'm oh, that's a good shout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he fair play to him. You know, I mean, he's not staying. He's probably playing for a new contract. Play for whatever you want, mate. If, Mm. making things happen compared to a certain other strikers with lead boots. Um, give it a shot, mate. You know, you, you've had probably had more shots than Lacazette in the last three games off the bench than you have in the last year. <laughs> than Lacazette. So yeah. yeah. Um, do you have a dick of the day? Uh, do you know what? I've not actually thought of one yet. Um, I do. Um, it's, not, it's not actually from the Arsenal game. Yeah. It's from um, a game earlier on in the day. Um, I'm going to give it to Cristiano Ronaldo for smacking a phone out of a child's hand. Um, and, um, yeah, and yeah. breaking it as well. Um, yeah. And, um, yeah, uh, not not good. Even, like, it's not like he lost um, <laughs> 5-0 or something. He lost 1-0. No. And, you know, and the fan wasn't even, like, putting his phone up to his face sort of thing. So it was a very petty and stupid reaction from him so he's my dick of the day yeah you know 37 mate 37 yeah um so yeah that's a good one i, I i'm gonna get a dick of the day from the same game actually <laughs> uh I don't, I don't know if you've seen it but uh i'm gonna give it to harry Maguire for um <laughs> have you seen this he i don't think i have actually he he, he basically kicked the ball and it was sort of ricocheting around his own player, I think it was like McTominay or maybe it was someone, I can't remember, it doesn't matter. Somebody handballed it from his own team and he oh, claims no. handball. He puts his head out and goes, handball! It's like, <laughs> like no, that's your own team, Harry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which which I thought was great. Um, so that was good. Look, I, we've, we've got questions, which is very okay. exciting. Um, I haven't looked at them yet. So this is going to be a nice surprise for both you and me. There's a lot of questions that we won't have time to go through all of them unfortunately however uh let's dive into them um i think a good place to start and i think we haven't really got onto it but a lot of people are asking things about lacazette but yeah uh let's pick one so one that sums up quite well is um dresh layman thanks dresh um could be dr esh layman don't know very difficult to tell when will it be time to bench lacquer um, if I was the manager now, mm. um, but if I make if Mikel Arteta does it, it is another question. So he, to, to be honest, at this stage of he is performing so badly, mm. like to go through a game and only have eight passes all game, just shows you how bad he was. Like. And, yeah. and you can allow the reason why people were uh, being okay with Lacazette was because he was offering link up play um, without scoring the goals, which is a good trade off. But now it's just like you're not offering link up play, you're also not offering no goal threat. Just like that, he he deserves to be on the bench now. 
Um, and if that's for Martinelli um, up front or um, Eddie and Ketia up front, it's we've got to a point now where it's probably anyone but Lacazette. And that's harsh to say because I, I really like Lacazette as a player, uh, uh, as a pro as well. He clearly seems to like Arsenal, but yeah, yeah, it's just it's just it's not really good enough anymore. So he deserves to be dropped. Yeah. I- it's 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 one of those things, and I'm not. Uh, I have defended Lacazette, and I'll continue in, in in certain aspects of his game. But I think we all know what Lacazette is now, very specifically, and we yeah. all know what he's not. And the thing that we needed from him in this game isn't what Lacazette does. Like he yeah. he wasn't fed the ball really. He wasn't really moving that much. But he, we know he doesn't. He wasn't making up play because nothing was going through the middle. Because we couldn't, we only had Sambi in midfield. Like it's, it wasn't a game for Lacazette, and he was dreadful at the things he did. So, um, if if we're not, we haven't got party in midfield, mm. we aren't really able to use Lacazette as a focal point, even at his at his best. Like I don't think we really need him. We need someone to run the channel and make a difference. Um, I guess I don't know. It's, it's it's a tough one, but ultimately, you know, two goals from open play in the last eighteen games. Sorry, two goals neither of which were from open play in the last yeah. 18 games. There were two penalties. Um, I think speaks for itself. And fundamentally, we just need somebody who's able to get in the box as well. And I've been a defender because I think, you know, we, you only have to look as far as somewhere you've been very recently to see how other strikers are doing. <laughs> and uh, I, I still think it was the right thing. Um, yes. Yeah, like, you know, Abamyang's doing better. Uh, for him, and we were doing much, much better. No one was t- talking about Aubameyang until two games ago. Um, and I think, you know, that's since he's left, and, c- and credit to the team for that. So, um, and I think Nketiah's done enough for me. I think he's looked really sharp. Um, and whilst I'm not his biggest fan, uh, are you telling me in the last 18 games Nketiah wouldn't have scored at least one from open play? Yeah, you know it's, and I get that there are other things, and I completely get that Lacazette opens up and makes the team play better when the process is in place for him to facilitate that. But it just hasn't been the case. Um, I'd be keen to see Martinelli, maybe even Smith Rowe. Yeah, um, I, I wouldn't be against that at all. They're runners; they'll come deep. They've got good touches. I'd, I'd even probably save Smith Rowe over that, um, but over Martinelli. So. Where, where would you sit on, you know, is Jaden, uh, Jaden J dot N says Martinelli a striker. So would that be something you'd do or? I'm, the thing is, though, I'm a bit hesitant to move Martinelli as striker because I know it's a really small sample size. But against the against Chelsea earlier on in the season, I just don't think it mm. works for him. Um, but. Obviously, we're a different team now. He's a different player. He's developed a lot. Maybe we, we and at, we're at a point now where no, no choice is an easy one. So just if he tries it, and it doesn't go well, that's no. fine. But at least he's tried it, sort of thing. Yeah, and no, it's, it's 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 this difficult thing is like it's such high stakes now. Every game's a cup final. Like when yeah. are you supposed to try these things? And I, we have got to a point where we need to do something. So. We've really been forced to this, and um, mm. do, do, do you think he will make a change? No, I don't think. I think Lacazette plays against Southampton. Mm. I don't think that's right. I think Lacazette's form has been bad, and he probably deserves to be dropped now. Mm. Um, but I don't think he will, just because I think Arteta is sort of um, 
stands by his players, which can be a good thing, but he stands mm-hmm. by them for a bit too long. And I think that's what's going to happen here with Lacazette. Yeah, he's very stubborn. Yeah. Like, and, and that can be a good thing, and it has been at points. But, you know, and you have to... I remember all of us were screaming out for Emile Smith-Rowe and a change of system in that November period. Yeah. And it took him about two or three games longer than the fans were saying it. Um, and it changed everything. You know, yeah. and, and if the fans picking up a player who is, you know, as young as, as Mill Smith was and inexperienced as he was at the time, you know, what, what are we missing here? So, um, and look, the, we're quite a cyclical team in that nature. We tend to have a new way of playing and to get yeah. found out. And we only made, we mentioned this a few weeks ago. I can't remember who was in the podcast, but, you know, we said that, that this is the, this is the rosy patch. This is it. You know, we're, we're enjoying it. Um, but this day was always coming. We we're always going to fall short and it's the next evolution. Now, do we have the players to, to change the system in a way that works? It's, it's difficult to tell at this time because Tierney and Party have gone, got other players out of form. Um, what would be your, you know, it sounds like at the moment we, we need a bit of a change in system. Yeah. Perhaps. What's, what's your Southampton starting team? What does it look like? So I'm not changing the system. Um, I know I've seen a lot of people say for it in the back. Uh, again, I, I don't know if it's just because I've got real scars from last year's mm. November run and when we played three at the back and we looked very, very and uh, very bad. And also, where do you fit Martin Odegaard in that three at the back? It's yeah. a bit difficult. So I play four at the back. Um, I'd play Ramsdale. Uh, White at right back, holding Gabriel, and then Nuno Tavares at left mm-hmm. back. Then Xhaka and Sambi in midfield with Saka, Odegaard, Smithrow, and Martinelli. That's what I would do. Yeah. Um, and then that way, what you can do is Tavares, Smithrow can go inside. Tavares is just bombing forward. Mm. You've got um, Granit Xhaka covering Sambi as well. So you've got them both in a double pivot. Yep. You've got White basically tucking in as the, the first, the more defensive fullback. Um, and then you've got the, the, the exciting four, basically Saka, Odegaard, Martinelli, and Smithrow all yep. trying to link up. So um, that's what I would do, but I don't see that happening. Um, no. Uh, but what, I, what would you do? I'd do the same, but I'd leave Emil Smith Rowe on the bench as an option to come on. I'd either put Inketia up top. Yeah. Or I'd put Pepe up top. So Pepe up top is an interesting one because I think um oh, I would like to see Pepe. He's someone who's a goal scorer and he mm. gets goals, but I just don't think he's a good enough striker just because I think his hold up play is non existent. Mm. Um, so that, that I mean, a striker doesn't need hold up play, but I don't think he's he, he, I don't think it's it's very good at all. Mm, he's got a good touch though. He has got a good sometimes. Sometimes he does. Sometimes yeah. he doesn't. It's just the, the the one thing that's good about Pepe is his finishing. Yeah. So and but it's just like he's not going to get the same sort of like angles that he would if he was playing right wing. If anything, I, I think Pepe is better and I think he's on been the left. on the left, yeah. Mm. Because I think I think it forces him to think about the game in a different way. 
rather than like because if he's on the right, all he wants to do is naturally cut in on his left. Yeah, and defenders know it. Whereas if he's on the left, I think he's much more likely to sort of like try and figure it out and try and um, really go for it. So um, and, re- and really try and use both feet. So um, yeah, it. And the thing is, though, with Pepe is he's a really talented player. We can all see that, but he just doesn't produce it consistently enough. And that's the difference between a really, really good player and just sort of like a a decent player. So mm, I think so. I think it's he's such an enigma, isn't he? And I just wonder, yeah. you know, against Southampton, who uh, guess what? Uh, on a bad run, and yeah. uh, I play in Arsenal as for Everton and Brighton. So. Um, yeah, I think we need to do something different. I think Lacazette, apart from anything else, he, you know, when he was dropped for, for a while, or not dropped, but Aubameyang was the one, I think he looked hungry to to be good again when he came back off. So maybe he just needs a few games yeah. to bench. Some some players do need that. Um, yeah. And I think at the moment, Smith-Rowe looks like something very similar at the moment as well. Um, just he looks maybe a little bit injured or something like that. I don't know. Um so okay, let's move on. So Owen Owen Holbrook has asked a very good question, actually. And I think this is really interesting what, what this can look like. So what do you think will happen to the club and fan base if we don't get top four? I think club-wise, I don't think much will change. I think mm-hmm. if we've seen the last summer and the previous summer, um we saw our strategy not changing that much. I think Arteta's got a clear idea of what he wants um, and who like and the targets he wants to target. I don't think the club will change that much. Um, it might it might make it interesting in terms of his own contract talks. Yeah, because I think if he finishes top four, like if he finished top four, well, I mean I'm saying it like it's not going to happen. It hasn't happened. If he finishes top four, the con- his contract. It will be extended. Yeah. But I think if he finishes fifth or sixth or maybe even seventh, um, there's a bigger discussion to have about it. And I wonder if the club will wait before giving him a new contract. Mm. Um, in terms of the fan base, I think the fan base will be disappointed. But it depends on... If, for example, we get to the final day, we're in the top four and then we bottle it, the fan base will be fuming. But if the fan base, like, if we don't get top four and then we end the season sort of like on a high, sort of thing, we're back in Europe, maybe the fan base will be a bit Mm. better. It's all about context. And to be honest, the fan base will be a bit lower because it's Spurs who will finish above us. That's the key. Yeah. If it it was was Manchester United... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But because it's Spurs, yeah. they'll be they'll it will probably add a bit more anger to it because they'll obviously them mm. lot down the road will be delighted, and we won't be. So um, yeah, and I also think, um, I, I also think that we've really really gone in on enjoying Spurs misery this season. The Tottenham get battered mm-hmm. everywhere they go. Yeah. The uh, the fact that they had an awful awful time. For seems like a lot of the season, I don't know how they're, you know, level on points. It's it's, it, it they just have seem to have put together what seems like quite a short run, but they're there, and um, you know, it, it's going to make it difficult for the Arsenal fans. Um, and I think because of that, that might well fuel a lot of, a lot of 
discomfort with the fans that we've not seen in probably a lot of this season. Um, and I can't imagine what's going to do to the club. I think we might go. Mm. Into, I think we're at day, we're at risk of going into the summer borderline toxic again. And and I don't think we're there, there yet. There's a lot of football to play, and Spurs' metrics don't mm. look good. I don't think they're going to continuously win every game or anything. Yeah, and I kind of think we're lucky that we get to play all of the people around us. Yeah, it's, it can be seen as a good thing. I think we're as a level of opportunity it's just it's not looking good <laughs> the, the, the only the only other thing i would add to this is if we don't finish top four mm. it will make Bukayo saka's contract talks much more difficult yeah i know it's still getting done this summer isn't it it depends how we finish like we come fifth and spurs win every game like you know we come close i mean it's tough mm. you know uh but or if we beat them who knows but i think it depends how we finish and if we're winning the games. If we have an absolute stinker, which isn't impossible, <laughs> and get six points over the next, you know, however long, it's then it gets hard. Then it gets really hard. But all the noise coming out of both camps is Saka's buzzing about signing a new contract. Yeah. So it's, I don't think, like, I don't think it won't get done. Yeah. It's just how much someone's prepared to offer. Yeah. Like, I could see him in a City shirt. It would make me feel sick, but I could see it. Oh, God. Yeah, please. Uh, yeah, I, I don't want to think about that, but yeah, I could see him in there like, well. Stylistically. Like, I don't see the Liverpool um, one, but, you know, I think I'm a bit done with good Arsenal players going to these teams. But um, Should we do one more? Yeah, let's do it. Um... Which one am I going to do? Uh, if okay, um, if do you think even with our current injuries, Guardiola or Klopp would get us to top four? This is from Arsenal Obsessed. Oh, um, yeah, probably. I, I I don't think Pep I, would. I I, I, I um, would. No, I think they would because I think both of them are coaches that have they have distinct systems, but they also maximise their attack as mm. they as they could. Um, remember, Jurgen Klopp in his first full season got Liverpool to top four. Um, and this wasn't a defence with um, Virgil mm. van Dijk in it. It was a defence with um, Dejan Lovren in, in the defence. And I think, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure Martin Skirtle, um in the defence. Mm. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't Liverpool we know now. Pep, I think Pep is also such a good attacking coach. And... Uh, he does have that sort of Arteta's inherited it from him, this sort of galaxy brain, big brain thing. Mm. But I still think Pep is a phenomenal coach, and wherever he's gone, yes, he's gone to the best clubs with the most money. Yeah, but I think wherever he's gone, he's been a really class coach. I'd be more hopeful about, like, I'd be more decisive about Jurgen Klopp if he was our manager's finishing top four mm. than I would Pep. But I think just because I think Klopp the way he's done with Liverpool is sort of been brilliant. But um but yeah, I, I think both would get us top four. Yeah. 
Uh, it's interesting. I'm not sure Pep would, you know. I think Pep would... Like, we've never seen him with anything other than millions and millions and millions. And yeah, that, even, that... even with, you know... I remember his first season there, he basically just scraped top four. And they weren't his players, and he had like a Guerrero. You know, he wasn't... Not that, you know, it was his first season there, but then the next season, obviously, was much better. But he also spent a lot of money... I don't know. Like, obviously, he's amazing. He is amazing. Do you ever find there's like elite coaches for elite teams? Yeah. Like, I don't think yeah. Pep, Pep would do that well with Norwich. <laughs> no, no. But you know, I, 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 I yeah. think that there are some coaches that I think are like tacticians and they mm. make the best of what they can have, sort of thing. I think Klopp does that, um, and he coaches really well and he improves players. Yeah. Um, there are some coaches who are very good man managers, like Carlo Ancelotti is someone who I think of a lot as like the sort yeah. of like old school management sort of thing. Um, but yeah, like Pep, he's sort of like I think he will improve players mm. and he has, but it always takes a while. So if this was Pep's first season, it might be a bit difficult for him. But if it was his second, I'd be much more convinced that he would um he would get a top four. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I mean, Klopp, oh, yeah. I mean, I, I love Klopp, really. I think he's... Yeah, Klopp is a brilliant coach, even if he yeah. does whinge a lot. Um, yeah, he's an idiot, but... Yeah, but I, like, I have to respect him as an incredible coach. Definitely. All right, well, look, let's leave it there. We've 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 got Connor coming in a moment and doing the, the women's segment, which we're all looking forward to as well. But um, for the men's section, I think we'll sign off and say thanks very much for listening. Mets, thanks so much for joining. Let's thanks for having me, mate. Yeah. It's been uh, good to speak to you again. It's been a while. Been a while. Yeah. Nice. All right, mate. Take care. Thanks everyone for listening and take care. We'll see you soon. Bye. Thank you so much for sticking with the Arsenal Editor podcast. It has been an absolute pleasure to present to you the Arsenal Women's Roundup of the latest week. And I will see you next time. Oh!